Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast was created, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I pay my respects to elders, past and present. Hello, my loves. This is New Mum Who Dis, a podcast about all the ways in which life changes when you become a parent and how to stay true to you in the process. My name is Ash London, reformed radio host and new mum to one-year-old buddy. Today, I want you to meet Janika. She is all about the power of story. She calls herself a storyteller guide, which I absolutely love. With a background in publicity and marketing for brands, she's been telling stories her whole life. But lately, she's been using her own story as a catalyst for change in her life and a catalyst for others around her. She's a mama to two kids. Her daughter is three. Her son is 20 months old, both born in Canada during COVID. She has her own storytelling podcast called Just You. Janika's MO is based around this idea that as a person, you have the ability to harness your own power and use your own stories to change the world around you in a positive way. Today, we're going to hear about her birth story and how something that turned out to be pretty traumatic and scary was the lightning bolt her and her family needed to make some big changes. We'll begin Janika's story in the hospital as she prepares to give birth to her youngest child. Just a warning, if you are pregnant or have anxiety around birthing, then this story might be a bit upsetting or confronting for you. Ultimately, it's your choice. If you want to skip ahead to hear the happy ending, you are more than welcome to do so. So let's talk about the birth. Let's sure. go back to, you know, the week it happened, how you were feeling, and then tell yeah. me this story. I would love to hear it. Dive in. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it was the week of the birth, and it's really funny. I feel like with the second baby, and I'm wondering if the listeners would also kind of resonate with this, but I'm so busy looking after my daughter that the usual, like, okay, on this day I felt this, and then this happened, like, I don't have a lot of recollection of that. Yeah. But it was time to go and I'll remember it because we had friends over and we were having Chinese food and I had been feeling contractions all day, but I was a little bit more like, you've got this mom, you've done this before. Yeah. And our friend was like, you've been cramping and contracting this whole time. We've been at dinner, like you need to go, you need to go. And so we finally did go to the hospital just to kind of get checked out. And the nursing staff were like, oh, there's his heart's doing some strange things. So we're going to get you to come in. Um, in a couple of hours and just get checked again. And so lo and behold, I had to go in and I was dilating pretty quick, but my son had gotten the cord wrapped around his neck and I was having to lie on the delivery bed and turn onto my sides every five minutes. And it went on for like 24 hours of just like every five minutes. So what does the sides do? Yeah. So it was me basically, because when I would contract, um, the cord would wrap around his neck and he would lose, you know, his heartbeat would drop and there were some stressful times there. So in order for me to kind of loosen up that cord, um, we were moving around a lot. And then it got to the point where the doctor just didn't give me an option and was like, this is kind of important. We're going to need to do a cesarean. Um, and I was devastated and not because I didn't want one. It was because all I could think about was my daughter at home 
not having mummy pick her up into her crib because when you have a cesarean obviously you're told you can't lift you can't do a lot of physical activity and with COVID it was only going to be you know my my husband was working so I was going to be the one putting her into her crib and I wouldn't have been able to even do that so my brain's going into full panic mum mode like how am I going to take care of the child I already have and I'm getting wheeled in and I'm, I'm crying and I'm like, no, like, I know I trust the doctors. I trust you. Like, I'll do it. But I'm, I'm not happy about this. Like, holy crap. And we went in and the guy who'd put my epidural in, I remember him being, his bedside manner wasn't the greatest, but, you know, he was oh, there to gosh. do an important job. So I didn't really give a crap. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he, his bedside manner, I remember it being just really professional. He was in to do his job and get out. And also because it was COVID, so many um, babies were being born in that time. So uh, he was quick and had to go and visit a lot of and rooms. Are you like me, and I think you probably are, I like to chat with people. <laughs> totally. I like to connect. My husband's like, oh, gosh, can you please not give your life story to the pizza <laughs> delivery driver? And I'm like, it's who I am. Oh I can't gosh. help it. So the person putting the line into my back, because I too had a cesarean, I want want to have some initial chat. I want to have a vibe. I want to feel like we're connecting. And then you can go for it. Yeah, like you're part of my whole ordeal here. You're joining me in on this journey. We we need to know each other. (laughs) I'm the same. Yeah, I agree. I'm the same. So, yeah, yeah, his bedside manner was pretty professional and didn't want to follow my vibe. So, um, (laughs) yeah, he left and... I went on, but then when it was time to go into the theater room, I noticed he was there again and he was going to be the one watching over me and we're doing the cesarean. And by the way, which was, re- it's really rough. Like I hadn't oh, really watched. Oh, it's rough and tumble. Oh You're like my this gosh. Bit. Yeah. And so my husband's like up the top watching the force of me, you know, moving from it and freaking out and being there for me, but I know him well. And I'm like, oh my God, the poor thing. <laughs> And then all of a sudden I, I knew something was, I knew something was going on and I could see it on the, I could see it on my husband's face, but the key was that the guy who put my epidural in, his tone changed with me. So I was losing a lot of blood. They'd gotten my son out safe and, um, I was losing a lot of blood. I lost two liters out of the five liters that you have in your entire body And at that point, um, it's pretty touch and go and they couldn't stop the bleeding. And so I knew something was really wrong when the epidural, uh, the epidural guys, what I like to call them. Yeah. I'm like, let's use his right term. So anyway, my epidural guy with the no vibe, um, he was changing his tone with me. And all of a sudden it was hanging, hang in there, sweetie, hang in there, darling. And was really sweet in my ears. And at this point I'm like, throwing up and like covered in my own sick and losing consciousness and it was so quick ash like it was this moment of like I might lose my life and I hadn't gone into the birth thinking that that was going to be a possibility like I really didn't I don't know if it was just because I had the confidence from I had done it once before and and I'd get through it again and I know it's hard but you know you get through it or even that because it was a cesarean, I almost felt like, okay, this is, this is regular. They do yeah. this all the time. It's yeah. a surgery. Totally, yeah. And I really quickly realized that wasn't the case for me. So the next couple of bits are really 
really blurry. Like I blacked out. And had you had you held you had obviously hadn't held your baby or no, anything. No. Had you seen him? Had they shown him to you? Can't even remember. I don't even think wow. I, I think I was completely out by that point. Um your and poor so, husband. I mean, obviously poor oh, you, but I can't imagine oh my gosh, how Adrian yes. would have been in yeah. that moment watching yeah. it happen and being so helpless. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, he shares that it's this moment of like I've got my baby and I want to go see my son, but then also the love of my life is on the table. And, you know, you're really torn at that point. Who do you go, you know, do you cut the cord or do you stay? Yeah. And so he stayed. Um, and, yeah, I came to and he spilled me in on the blank. So I came to, but while I was out, essentially the, the staff, the doctors and the nurses had freaked out um, and they were like, we can't stop this blood. And they called a different surgeon from a different floor who wasn't part of the birthing suite who was more experienced and my husband said like you know this guy came in so quick he was like running and did a couple of things he couldn't see and all of a sudden everybody's mood just shifted it was like oh like a breath of okay we've got this the bleeding has stopped and no one would look him in the face. No one would look him in the eyes while this is happening. And he had no idea, you know, what, what the problem is. And by this point, like I'd mentioned, I was completely out of it. So it looked pretty damn serious to him. Yeah. yeah. And I came to in a different room. So I missed the whole thing. Like, completely. <laughs> yeah, completely out of it. Came to in a different spot and, um, had the baby, you know, my son put on my chest and, and feeding. I didn't even put my nipple to his mouth. Like I don't even remember how it happened. I was so out of it. And we ended up having to stay for a couple of days. I had blood transfusions and iron transfusions and was pretty bed bound, obviously from the surgery, but also from the loss of blood and, and the near death experience. And I knew that it was going to be like that before I went in because I had a feeling like, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a pretty spiritual open person. And I had felt like I was getting connected to my grandma who had passed and getting these weird signs that, you know, this birth was going to be challenging. And an example was, and I know this is silly. And for anyone listening who felt like has felt like they've had signs from loved ones, like the lady beetles and roses were my nan's thing. And I'm in Canada and it's winter and it's minus 30 degrees Celsius and in my house, I'm finding lady beetles or I'm yes. dreaming about roses. And I'm like, okay, I think my nan's trying to tell me something. And it was the moment when I, you know, I was losing consciousness and I had that realization of, oh my gosh, uh, this might go bad. I felt like she was there with me and I felt wow. a little better in that. So we got through it and we had this beautiful baby boy, but it wasn't the end of the journey there. Like, he was so colicky and so different to my to my daughter and we didn't rest at all. My God, it was, yeah, literally the three Cs, COVID, Canada and the cesarean. It just knocked me on my ass. Oh, my gosh. Do they know what actually had happened? Like why you were losing the blind? Did you ever get answers as to kind of what went down? You know what? I never, ever got the right straight answer from anyone. So I... I didn't even realize that it was quite so serious because it was almost like my husband kept it until we got home and I'd blacked out. But when I went for that six week checkup with my doctor, she had said like, you know, um, we, we were really worried we were going to lose you. And I was like, 
I thought that that was just my perception, but oh my gosh, it was a serious thing. And she's like, yeah, Janika, you lost like two liters is vital blood. Like if you lose that, that's, you know, sometimes people don't come back from that. And so, yeah, I didn't really get a straight answer as to why I assumed it was just, I was hemorrhaging and mm. they couldn't stop the, the blood for whatever reason. Maybe it was because it was so forceful of a cesarean. I don't know. <laughs> like it felt like a G, but yeah. No, they're all like that. It's, that was the thing that surprised me the most. I thought it was going to be this little, like, cute little incision and then they're just like, Bob, here he is. But I was, like, being thrown around the table. <laughs> totally, yeah. Yeah, you don't really, you really don't imagine it being like that. But no, absolutely all, not. that was the way it went for us. And, yeah, so I came out of that experience. We had that horrendous, like, next eight weeks while I recovered. It was so hard. We had this beautiful baby that we're trying to enjoy who's also colicky AF that mm. would not rest. He didn't sleep. My daughter's, you know, also a baby at this point. So A it baby. Was, okay, not yeah. even a toddler, a baby. <laughs> yeah. So it was honestly a time of resilience building for me and my husband, yeah. I, I like to say. Like we really just had to pull us pull our shit together and, and get through it like so many people did during COVID, especially mm. parents. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah. So what is the story that you tell yourself when you kind of make sense of it? Because this is something I do definitely when I go through something huge, traumatic, hard, whatever, and I'm a human being, I think it's what we do, right? We, we, we form it into a story so I can help it make sense and I can get the lesson that I need to and I can, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Having all that happened, happened to you, it would be easy to just kind of, get angry or feel ripped off or whatever but what do you tell yourself about it to make it make sense and to make it feel like I don't know it was meant to be or it happened the way it was supposed to or yeah I don't know well I think we always think that we're going to live forever and that we're going to have these long wonderful lives which you know is the hope of for so many of us but I was really surprised how many people after I did, you know, start to open up and share about my experience, how many of my friends and family were like, oh, you know, if, if I was in a near-death experience or if I was going to die, I would have done this in my life or I would have moved here or I, there's like a, a change that they would, have, they would have completed. And so for me, I think one of the main lessons was that you don't have to wait for a really major life experience to happen for you to really assess and figure out the way that you want your life to go and start going after it. Mm. And for us, that meant we actually moved back to Australia and we made the decision that we wanted to, Canada's wonderful and our family's still there and we can't wait to get back and visit. But we made the decision that Australia was where our heart was. And so we mm. moved our young family and we started picking things that just aligned with what we wanted right now. And I think as well, so many people get stuck in this box of like, you know, you think your life is supposed to go a certain way or this is who I am. This is what I went to school for. This is, 
you know, who I need to be now. I'm stuck yeah. in this. This is the path I'm on that I've chosen. Yeah. And I felt like that experience was the rug underneath us that went, you know, a big shake. And where do you want to land? Like, what do you want to do? Where do you want to be? And how do you want to live your life? And how do you want to be remembered? So, yeah, I think although it was a tough thing to go for, it had some really beneficial parts to it for us as a family unit of putting us in the right spot of where we want to be and how we want to live our lives. And what is that? What were some of the things that you decided you wanted for yourself and for your family that you weren't living before the realisation? Yeah, definitely. So one of the big pieces was I had obviously mentioned I work in storytelling for my job and I was helping brands and businesses craft and share their narratives for profits and I really had this inner calling to start helping just like everyday people understand that they have that same power within them and that they don't need to fall for an external voice or have an external brand tell them the way that they should be living their life and so you know I opened up my own business where I help people through coaching and I've got my podcast now that was the catalyst for that and I essentially just try to help people discover what their life path is and what their narratives are and, and try and gently push them towards going for it and jumping off the cliff. So that was a main, a main career change for me. And I still work in corporate PR and marketing, but a lot of my time is dedicated to helping everyday people with the same methods and strategies. And then, yeah, a big one is where we're living. So we went yeah. from living in a gorgeous snowy, like where we lived was beautiful, but it was really cold. It was minus 30 degrees Celsius. And both my husband and I love the ocean and we love to swim and we wanted our kids having an Aussie, you know, traditional life that they grow up in. So we moved to the beach and we live right near the ocean. And yeah, that was another massive shift for us. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing as it yeah. should be. That's, there's so much of that I think resonates with me and I'm not quite there yet because it's a scary thing, right, to actually yeah. trust yourself and to trust that little voice that's telling you this isn't right, there's more for you, that it's okay to choose you and it's okay to choose what you want after decades of conditioning from society telling us this is what you're supposed to have, this is what you're supposed to want. This is the voices you're supposed to listen to. Why is it that so often the last voice we listen to is our own? A hundred percent. And even like our own voice, well, we essentially give its power away when we allow others to make the decisions for us. And no one knows our struggles or our you know, perceptions or what we've overcome, what we've learned more than us, right? Like we are the sense of truth for our own self. And so when we rely on others to fill those blanks for us or or think that their opinion of us is what you know ranks highest then we yeah. lose that power absolutely what do you think is the best question the best starting point right for someone who's maybe listening to this going oh this is making me uncomfortable i think you know what is the where does where do you start is it as simple as what do i really need or what do i really want where do you where do you think is the best place to start? Yeah, I love that question, Ash. So I think the best spot to start, because you're right, it can be really overwhelming if you've not had the time to think about these big questions of like, what do I need? What do I want? And how do I want to live my life? I don't even know what I want for dinner, right? Mm. And so I think the best spot to start is with your curiosity 
and your curiosity is going to lead you to where your heart is. So you can make a list of things that you're curious to learn more about or that spark your interest. And it doesn't have to be a super long list. It can be, you know, 10 items or less, but just things in your life that you've identified that you're like, I'd like to learn more about that. Or I've always felt a calling to this and, you know, X, Y, Z. And I think by having that list of curiosities, you're able to sort of see connections between them. And it's a bit of a gate opener to, to how you might want to pursue those, those curiosities. Yeah. And really tapping into your heart above all else, I think. Yeah. Not you kind of really having to be honest with yourself, right? And be like, definitely. no, this has to be about what actually, like you said, it sparks joy. It makes me feel alive. It makes me feel interested or curious as opposed to, yeah, I, I work in, for me, radio. So yeah, radio is a thing. Well, is it? Yeah, exactly. Meet the surface there and really be honest with yourself. Yeah, and there'll there'll likely be layers there too. So there's so many different layers when you start building up that list of curiosities of, well, these two link together and maybe I can do this at the same time or maybe I'm interested in learning more about this because of this. And you'll start to see that there's linkages there for sure. Yeah, and that it doesn't always have to be career-related, right? It's okay, you know, in your 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever, to just have passions, right? To just chase something because you like it or it makes you happy. We don't always have to link it to making money or to a career or to a job, which is just this trap I think we get stuck in. We think that anything else is just a distraction. Yeah, absolutely. And also with storytelling in general, like as a concept, I think that people get really confused at what that term can mean. And I feel like as parents especially, the stories that we share with our children shape who they can, can become. You know, it, it helps them with how they form their own opinions and what they like and what they're interested in. And I think storytelling is so important in knowing who you are and knowing what your story is, where you've come from and where you want to go. I haven't been able to stop thinking about this chat with Janika since we had it. I'm so inspired by her really making the changes according to her heart. And I think so many of us don't listen to our heart because we're stuck in our head. Um, Definitely me. Also, I love that she talks about embracing your own story, even the bad stuff, the uncomfortable stuff, because ultimately even the bad stuff makes us who we are. It is part of us and our history. In the episode notes, I've got a link to Janika's podcast and her website so you can engage with her story further. Have a great week. 